stuff that we have to be dependent upon is good stuff and it's fun and it's unique and it's interesting and you can get creative with it and I think that's just extension of his uniqueness and, and, and creativity <laughs> Welcome to this episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I am one of the pastors at the Church of Beer Station. Uh, glad you guys are listening with us. It's a joy today to be joined by uh, Jim Thompson. What is your title at Fellowship? Uh, equipping and Teaching Pastor. Equipping and Teaching Pastor at Fellowship Greenville. Jim, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. What, uh, what kind of coffee is that you're drinking there? Uh, whatever our front desk people make and a previous front desk person was a coffee snob, so like the tradition has carried on that this is actually good coffee. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's uh, a super helpful segue into our topic today. We're going to be discussing food. I did that for you. Yeah, thanks. Teed me right up. Appreciate that. Yeah, I got you. So we're going to be talking about uh, the distinctly Christian view of food. Why, uh, what should we think about food? What does the Bible have to say about food? And because food is such a, a thing for us, we want to think well about it. So uh, before we jump into the topic, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Um, married kids? I am married to my beautiful wife, Sarah, with no H. We've been married for 12 and a half years. Two wonderful, happy babies. My daughter turned six this past week. Her name is Anna Jubilee, and she lives up to her name, um, and she is just a big bag of happy and fun and crazy and all the emotions. Uh, and my son, James Walker Thompson V, is nine and a half years old, and he is inquisitive and thoughtful, and he's terrible at baseball, okay at basketball, and an amazing piano player. So they are uh, both really, really wonderful and beautiful. Awesome. So if uh, let's say it's your birthday and you get to choose any restaurant on planet Earth Ooh. to go to. Dude, bacon, bake, I know this is such a bro answer, but Bacon Brothers, it, maybe it's just the fact that bacon's in the title of the restaurant and it's like some psychological thing. But a Bacon Brothers bacon cheeseburger with a fried egg on top, and they make they have this homemade ketchup that has like a little bit of spice in it. I, it's it's nine thirteen in the morning. I could eat five of them right now. They're just <laughs> they're just so good. Yes. Have you had the pimento cheese dip? I have tasted it before. I'm not a large pimento cheese fan, but um, although Sierra Nevada Brewing Company they do a pretzels and beer cheese thing, and they do like five cheese thing, and they put pimento cheese in there, and they're yeah, it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty unreal. Yeah. So <clears throat> I can get down with that. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, Bacon Brothers, mm. I feel like Good grief. this is a – we should have them um, like sponsor us for this. Yeah, this this, this podcast is just making me hungry. I'm, do, I'm <laughs> done with this. I'm going to Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I have not eaten breakfast yet. I had a graham cracker for <laughs> no, breakfast. that's no good. I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jim, first question, why food? Like why, <laughs> why did God make us in such a way that we need food? Um, I think, I think what you have to do there is you have to step back from food and you have to think about our relationship to God in general. And food is one of the things that comes out above the surface of the water and it's like an iceberg. It's part of a a bigger thing. And so I will relate food to, to sleep. So one third, third of your life, you're supposed to be unconscious, which means God can handle the universe just fine without you. Mm. Um, and so even a, something like sleep is a reminder that you are dependent on things outside of you. <clears throat> and you, to live, to have vitality, to have life, to have vibrancy in your days, you have to lean on things that you can't conjure up, lean on things that are beyond your grasp. And I think it's the same way with things like food and drink, and that is that 
you don't have everything within you by yourself to make life work and go and move and do like it should. So you're dependent on things outside of you. And so food is another one of those things that every single day, a few couple few times a day, you have to, and if you don't, you'll die, go somewhere outside of you for life. <clears throat> I, uh, um, I worked with a youth pastor, Jason Malone, a while back, and he was, he was giving this message to these high school students about um, the importance of personal quiet times because, you know, that's, you need to. You need to read your Bible and seek Jesus every day and, like, in the scriptures, and that's important. <clears throat> and he got all fired up and feisty and, and intense, and he stopped and, um, like, a, like a good uh, quasi-Baptist uh, <laughs> talking about this, he stopped and kind of caught his breath, and he goes, and he changed the subject really quickly, and he goes, uh, what did you eat three months ago today for lunch? And um, the kids were like, what are you talking about, dude? I thought we were talking about Bible here. And, he, and you know, some high schoolers were like, uh, PBJ, or they were just being dumb. But his whole point was, you don't know what you ate then, but it sustained you for the time being. And his, obviously, point at that juncture was, it's the same way with Scripture. But I think if we think well about food like that, that we're called to be dependent on realities outside of us, that it will make us appreciate and be grateful for things like food, drink, sleep, scripture. Um, so I think food is this gateway into realizing that uh, dependence should be our, our default setting, kind of. Um, <clears throat> so I think like framing food like that is, is important. Yeah, that's really good. So we are, like written into our design as creatures is dependence mm -hmm. on something beyond ourselves. Yes, something outside Stephen of ourselves. Dempster, Old Testament scholar, <clears throat> when he talks about the image of God in his book, Dominion and Dynasty, uh, when he talks about the image of God, and he talks about how it's uh, we're supposed to reign with God, like God and for God, and we're these kingly, kingly image bearers, he calls it a dominion of dependence, which I just think is super good. And I think it is good. Yeah, I think you can tap into that reality through things like sleep or or food. Yeah. Well, here's a follow-up question. Um, why did God give us ice cream when he could have made it all brown rice and raw potatoes? Dude, I love it. Why did God give us ice cream when it could have all been... Brown rice and raw potatoes. Raw potatoes, and we'll just throw celery in there. And celery, yeah. <laughs> celery without ranch. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, this is not post-wings celery. This is just <laughs> celery. Um, my wife has Crohn's disease, and so she has uh, really bad digestional, intestinal stuff, and so she has to be really careful about her diet. And um, she's in a good place right now with it, but uh, it was probably five or six years ago. We were somewhere eating, we were on a date, babysitter, and she just, with almost tears in her eyes, looked up at me in the middle of her meal and just said, why did God make food taste good? Like, he didn't have to. Mm. Like, she was truly blown away, like, no yeah. way, praise the Lord. <clears throat> it was like a worship service in front of her little steak or whatever. Um, also, I, I just thought about this. If you maintain a Darwinian, naturalistic, full-blown evolutionary approach to food, <coughs> I, maybe I'm wrong, and I have—I literally just thought about this, but I don't—I can't foresee a naturalistic scheme in which you can get to the place where food, in and of itself, needs to taste good. If everything comes from nothing and things are just kind of happening, then as humans, to be fit to survive, we just need intake to give us nourishment. We don't have to pursue that which is pleasing in taste. And why would something that is pleasing in taste evolve? It's really it's really weird because, again, that thing's outside of us. So I think, and I could be totally wrong, somebody's more scientific than me, but I can't foresee in a full-blown naturalistic scheme why you would have 
anything that is pleasing to the taste that we like basically if, if you go all the way with kind of atheistic agnostic naturalism you don't have food that tastes good basically I, and again I'm fine with dialogue at that point and could be proven wrong but I think it's another uh, like Calvin talked about common grace that God wants his people to take delight in his creation <clears throat> so he does give us different different uh, tastes sweet and savory and, and all things in between I mean it's you know, we, we have more than two colors as well. It's the mm. same way visually as it is uh, culinarily or, or taste-wise. That I think that's just part of God's goodness and uh, humor and lightness and joy and delight that he, he creates a scheme in which the things that we are dependent upon are not things that make us robots but make us uh, delight, del- delight in Him. They don't make us robots; they make us rejoice because you know we're Baptists. Um, but like, <clears throat> yeah, the stuff that we have to be dependent upon is good stuff, and it's fun, and it's unique, and it's interesting, and you can get creative with it. And I think that's just extension of His uniqueness and and, and creativity. Yeah. So, I love the point you just made about being creative with food. Like, mm. part of the. <clears throat> Uh, part of exercising dominion is the fact that we figured out that mm. you 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 fry bits of pig and you put it on oh. ground bits of cow yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you put baby chickens on it and you make a, a bacon egg yes. cheeseburger and it's it's fantastic and that's that's part of what it means to, to yeah. image God is to come up with creative ways to even uh, to even eat. The Bible Project guys talk talk about uh, if we're image bearers, we should be creative and part of that reflecting that dominion is harnessing the potential of God's created world. And in doing so, we're partnering with him and we're reflecting him. And so I think that that is a, yeah, it's an extension of that. And that reflects him, reflects him well. Excellent. So what scriptures would you go to if you were to, if you were to build a case from this, for this biblically, are there any passages that, that come to mind for thinking well about God's grace in providing food and God's double extra grace in making it tasty? Yeah. Um, Sadly, uh, I there. I don't think there is um, a single text where it's like, okay, here's a theology of this that we're laying out. <clears throat> it's almost like when you when you go to talk to people about a theology of dating, like Paul doesn't have two chapters of that. But there are clear biblical principles that should be in play when you're discussing like how Christians should go about all that. In the same way, like everything God made is good. It's very good. Um, and so, I mean, there are texts like Psalm 136 where it says he gives, he gives food to all his creatures and his love endures forever. So I think in the psalmist's mind, uh, the fact that he even provides for the lions and <clears throat> tigers and bears on mine, that's an extension of his love. And so his overall provision, including food, I think can be seen in places like the Psalms. Um, but even the dietary food laws in Leviticus and in the Old Testament and stuff, like God cares about food, and that food had a meaning, and it pointed to life, like with the bloodletting and all that stuff. And even when you get to the New Testament and the inclusion of the Gentiles into God's family, like food was a discussion there. And so I think food is not just this reality that we get to enjoy, but this picture of God wants us to participate, to be dependent. Um, it's it's supposed to be a picture of oneness. In fact, um, God says you can eat of every fruit of the tree, <coughs> of every tree, you know, Genesis. And then in Revelation, one of the last things he says, come in and, and dine with me. So this this picture of food is, is a picture of intimacy, 
um, that kind of bookends the whole Bible, this picture of eating in God's presence because of God's provision. Um, and, you know, Jesus could have said, hey, remember me and sing this song, but he said, remember me and eat this, remember me and drink mm, this. That's really good. And uh, so I do think there's, you know, obviously there's not, you know, four chapters in, in Deuteronomy that are going to be like, all right, here's everything you need to think about food. I don't think that's the Bible's purpose and point. But I think when we step back and see the trajectory of how God engages with his people, um, I think we can come away with a, a good uh, theology of, of food and, and drink and stuff. Yeah, excellent. So for the Christian, um, we're both uh, in the scriptures. Uh, we see God command his people at, at some times to feast, mm. um, to eat and enjoy eating. And in other instances, we see God command his people to fast. Yeah. So what role does both feasting and fasting play for the Christian? Yeah, I, I, I do think there are some pious Christians that think, oh, you, some people live to eat, other people eat to live, and some pious Christians think, oh, you should only eat to live. Uh, no, I do think there are points that you need to like be salivating and hopeful about a big meal or um, a big get-together, a big party in which you'll be able to do that. Uh, for example, in the Old Testament with Israel, those all their feasts and festivals and stuff, it was set-aside time to do that, to revel in that. And so I do think we need space for that as believers um, to break the regular routine and to really enjoy those things um, and to do so out of gratitude and joy and, and, and hope uh, and not merely indulgence or gluttony or anything like that. And sometimes those are fine lines. Sometimes that's about motive. Sometimes it's about amount. So I do think <clears throat> the feasting bit, um, yeah, you need to go out of your way to do that every once in a while. And that needs to be special and beautiful and fun and unique. And it needs to be a party. It needs to be a celebration. But at the same time, I mean, Jesus says, he does say, you know, in that Matthew text in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you fast. And some people say, well, that means that means everybody should fast. Boom, got it. He doesn't say if, he says when. <clears throat> and so personally, again, illustration from my wife is she can't fast. If she fasts, it's not good. She's going to pass out, you know, because um, so Jesus is talking to people for whom regular fasting is a part of their religious experience and so that's that primary context but I do think what can be drawn from that is that fasting is or can be a wise Christian move because it takes a break from the things that you're regularly dependent upon to let you realize that those are shadows and, and extensions of what you should supremely be dependent upon mm. which is God mm. and so while I think the feasting reminds you that all good things come from him I think the fasting reminds you that ultimately what you need is him Mm. Not just above all things, but through all things. Excellent. Um, and so I do think fasting, some people are like, well, I'm going to fast from social media for Lent. I go, that, that's fine. That's good. You don't need social media to live. You need food to live. Um, and so I do think the fasting from food is a very unique Christian experience. I mean, uh, there are a couple other you know primary religions that do it. But specifically um, in Christ as New Covenant believers, I do think it is a unique and special <clears throat> special thing that we can partake in to go we're we're dependent upon God ultimately and in God's um, in his scheme and how he's organized things he has made us to be dependent upon a bunch of little things to remind us of our ultimate dependence upon him and so when one of those things i.e. food is taken away it should call to mind um, our ultimate uh, dependence upon him and stuff 
Excellent. So, uh, when it comes to feasting, we feast as a like like reveling in God's grace and out of gratitude and yeah. with a heart turned towards Him in thankfulness. We feast and we eat our turkey and our cranberries, come on, and our mashed potatoes and Grandma's rolls, Some bacon brothers, and we bacon brothers, and we do all of that with a heart of thankfulness, thankfulness to God for His yeah. grace in doing so. But it's also appropriate for Christians to fast, where they where they take a break from God's. Um, where we take a break from those things that we need to be sustained, to be reminded that yeah. God is indeed the one that ultimately sustains us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and oh, there's so many things I want to say here about, like, <clears throat> and I, obviously I want to keep it short, but um, routine and liturgy and faithfulness and consistency is always, not always, is usually good when it's aimed at God. Um but lest we presuppose on the meaning of routine and faithfulness and loyalty and liturgy and lowercase s sacramentalism, lest we presuppose on the direction of those things, the impetus of those things, the fact that those things point towards Christ, I do think we have that category of fasting to remind us to reframe routine, to reframe liturgy, to reframe loyalty and faithfulness. Um, and I think fasting is a very tangible, natural, physical uh, way to, to, to do that. Excellent. Now, what would you say to someone who attaches moral significance to what you do or do not eat? Um, <clears throat> Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, uh, that is something that he attack, uh, attacks head on in 1 Corinthians 8-10 through 10, and in Romans 14. He's dealing with people. Um, so in, in Romans, in, in chapter 14, there are Gentile Christians who are like, hey, this meat was offered to, this is Zeus meat. This is Zeus meat, and so this was offered, but it's okay because <clears throat> I didn't grow up Jewish, and so I'm just going to party down on this meat that was offered to idols. And the Jewish Christians in the church at Rome are going, what are you doing? Like, we've been following these laws for hundreds of years. I can't believe you're doing that. You're desecrating this. And there is a fight there, and Paul calls them to unity, and he doesn't call them to unity by saying, here's what you have to uh, eat and avoid eating. He calls them unity by going, Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself in that which he approves, and anything that is not from faith is sin. So if you want to be a Christian vegetarian, personally I think you're missing out like a champion, <laughs> but don't you, you have no biblical right to look at your meat-eating Christian friends and go, you're immoral, you're wrong, you're sinful. The Bible doesn't leave space for that. And at the same time, if you bacon brother loving Christians look at your vegetarian Christian friends and go, you're just so weak, dude. You're so, so weak, and just get over yourself. Then that's at the same time. So th therein lies, maybe I th your question was about morality, <clears throat> and that gets close to that. Basically, the Bible leaves no room to judge other Christians about what they yeah, they eat. Because, again, if you do that, you're it, it's hard to do that at the same time and, and receive it as a gift. Mm. That's that's what makes it really tough. And so if you're receiving it with gratitude, it's really hard for you to look across the table at somebody and go, you're doing it wrong. Mm. You know? Um, and, and so I think Paul does speak to that a little bit more. And if you wanted to read 1 Corinthians 8 through 10-ish and Romans 14, he does a good job handling those disputes. Yeah, that's good. Man, the, the, the foundational importance of gratitude has been, mm. um, I would say over the past two years, something that the Lord has been... I guess like cultivating in my heart, like in, in ways that I've never experienced before. Like maybe, maybe it has something to do with the fact that we have kids now, and we're like teaching yeah. our kids like how to how to live within God's world. And 
um, I've just been so grateful for the ways in which he has opened mm. my eyes to uh, the need for just simple thankfulness for his provision of <coughs> all things. Yeah. Uh, from, from cheeseburgers on down, even, uh, even to the brown rice. Yes. And raw potatoes. You know, uh, the word thanks, and I, I don't know my etymology of thanks, but the word gratitude comes from the Latin gratio, which is grace. And in the New Testament, the same word for grace is the word for thanks. And I can't remember what pastor theologian guy said any gratitude that's not rooted in grace hold on let me get this right any gratitude that's not rooted in grace is like the thankfulness uh of a man who pays a prostitute Hmm. it it's not gratitude you're Hmm. just you're just going this is what happened and so all of our thanksgiving whether for food or drink or sunsets or art or music or Forgiveness or the resurrection, <clears throat> all of our gratitude has to be rooted in grace, or it's just a feeling about something that we have contrived or done. And I think food is a window into that, mm. that kind of thing. And um, if you just, I, I think the failure here, here is to not think about it. So considering it as a gift is, is the victory um, in this kind of framework, I guess. Dude, it's fantastic. We're out of time, unfortunately. Boo. Would love to keep talking about this. We'll have to have you on the podcast again. We'll talk about Bacon Brothers a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Jim, thank you so much for taking some time out today and being on the podcast with us. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to uh, subscribe and leave us a review. We'll talk to you next time. Grace and peace to you.